Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's your host and co-author of Listen to My Life, maps for recognizing and responding to God in my story, Sharon Swing. Greetings, everyone. This is Sharon Swing. I'm so glad you decided to join us again on the One Life Maps podcast. We have our special reoccurring guest uh, with us today, Adele Calhoun, who is the the author of Invitations from God, Accepting God's Offer to Rest, Weep, Forgive, Wait, Remember, and More. Greetings, Adele. Hi, Sharon. Good to be with you. So glad you came back. And uh, Joan Kelly, our Director of Facilitator Development for One Life Maps is with us today too. Joan? Hello, everybody. So glad you're here too. Now, um, Joan Kelly is like I said, the director of facilitator development for One Life Maps, but she also, along with our our friend uh, Gail Donahue, lead a spiritual formation class at Willow Creek Community Church on Thursday mornings. And they went through this book, Invitations from God, a little while back and had a wonderful experience with it. And uh, so we're going to join in this conversation together. And I just want to introduce Adele um, with her bio here. Now, she is married to, uh, to Doug Calhoun, and they're co-pastors of spiritual formation at High Rock Covenant Church in Arlington, Massachusetts. They enjoy resourcing ministry leaders and pastors through spiritual direction, retreats, and teaching the Enneagram as certified Enneagram instructors. Adele is the author of the Spiritual Discipline Handbook as well, and the co-author of True You. So I am just excited that we get to have this conversation today. And Adele, can you tell us a little bit about what brought this book to life for you? What was going on in your life when you decided to dive into this? Well, my my husband and I were co-senior pastors of a church outside Boston. And we were talking about the sermon series we wanted to do. And I said, you know, everybody has so many options in their life. I feel like they don't slow down and listen to God's invitations, invitations that could actually transform their relationships and bring life into their families. They just don't have time to even think about what an invitation from God might be. So we decided to do a sermon series on invitations from God. And then my editor called me and said, what are you writing? And I said, nothing. And she said, no, tell me what you're writing. And I said, I'm writing about invitations from God. And so that's how it came about. Well, I'm glad they, that you had that conversation <laughs> with your editor in these, uh, this sermon series ended up as, as a book. It's really a precious book. And there's, there's certain things about invitations that, and invitations from God that are a little bit interesting in what does that even mean to, to have an invitation from God? Can you say a few words about that? Sure. Um, I think about Jesus saying, come unto me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Invitation. I think about um, Jesus saying, come follow me, invitation. Jesus' language is a very invitational, but to understand, for instance, what the invitation to follow is about, we, we sort of have to go back and 
and listen to Jesus' meaning of the word follow rather than our 21st century thought that it's only leaders that matter. And if you're a follower, you're probably don't matter nearly as much. And so I, I just spent time uh, reading my Bible and uh, finding invitations that were given to us from God, the invitation to wait. That's an invitation that comes to everyone. You know, it's, it's an inevitability in everybody's life. Everybody will wait. Well, God waits too. And so what's the relationship between the God who waits and the people who wait? So it was something that intrigued me and I started researching. I think for, this is Joan, as we were using the book in class, Adele, it was so fun over the course of the year to hear people's um, vocabulary change. And that word invitation came up so much more. It became something fresh and something they wanted to walk towards instead of be scared of. Um, and it became a way that they asked questions of one another. I found myself, I mean, a very common question for me is, well, what do you think God's invitation is there, <laughs> you know, in yeah. that situation? Um, so that was a, uh, just a beautiful and fun and enriching way to see how people learn to kind of pick it up, the word invitation, and just kind of look at it and, and make it a normal part of their vocabulary. Yeah, I, I felt like in the in the midst of this book, because the way you just described it, it was part invitations that we find in scripture that we can apply to our lives. But right. in the in how life happens a lot of times is that we're facing something, something sometimes rather difficult. And God has an invitation in it for us that help us to change perspectives. That's perfectly said, because the invitation to follow, well, it might come to you in a situation where you would rather lead, you know, or the invitation to rest may come to you at a time when you feel like you don't have two seconds to rub together, or the invitation to weep may ambush you at a time when you think, I don't have time for grief. So the invitations are always coming through our experience. They're not some theological abstract, oh, God's mailing everybody invitations. They're all coming specifically to us given our life experiences. We would, quite often, we would quite often tell the women in our class to, you know, kind of let's start thinking about them differently. It's not that invitation, that beautiful gift that shows up on your doorstep you know, with the red <laughs> ribbon on top, right? We have to look for invitations and in interruptions in our day mm -hmm. in situations that don't go well. Um, they're hidden there. Um, and after a while, it kind of, for me, in a, in a weird sort of way, it becomes fun. Like, okay, I'm, I'm looking, I start looking for God in other places, unexpected right. places that aren't. Absolutely. You know, the beautiful fall tree with the leaves falling perfectly on the ground. There's invitations no, not in, that. <laughs> in, the, in the line at the grocery store, right? When you're frustrated and, and the clerk, you get out Right, and you'd want to hurry and you've got to mm -hmm. wait. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. That's right. Mm, an invitation to, to <laughs> show the fruits of the spirit in the midst of the difficulty. Mm -hmm. We'd rather not see it as an invitation. Mm -hmm. We'd re we see it as an annoyance. <laughs> right. We label right. it something else. Very much so. But, but when you can flip that, when you can see that in this annoyance, God is actually 
inviting me to be present in some way that um, will change the way I experience this, it, it does become, like Joan said, it becomes a very sweet thing, I think. This past summer we moved and we had lots of things go wrong with our house. I mean, the new house that we moved into, you know, tons of bad things happened. And the invitation was always to say, welcome, Jesus, welcome (laughs) into this. I find you, I seek you instead of just, in a sense, uh, going off on all the awful things that had happened. And in the process, I began to see how I felt entitled, you know, to have a charmed move. Well, well, that was a good thing to see about myself. It didn't feel Mm -hmm. too good. But God was inviting me to look at my entitlement, at what I thought I deserved. It was big for me. Mm, that that really dovetails, Joan, with a paragraph that you pointed out on page 16. Why don't you read that paragraph? Let's talk about it. I will. It says, God's invitations are meant to mend, shape, anchor, and grow us into the character of Jesus. They call us into our true selves in Christ. They free us from the lie that says, the more invitations, the better. Invitations from the Holy One serve God's dream for the world. They don't call me to become what I produce, what others think of me, or what I know. They invite me to be free. And freedom comes from being an intentional follower of Jesus, one who is a little Christ in this world. Hmm. I love that. I love especially that first sentence, Adele. God's invitations are meant to mend, shape, anchor, grow us into the character of Jesus. Well, I feel like that's what the invitations that God has given me, even very recently, is all about. Will I be mended from entitlement? Will I be shaped by waiting and frustration? Or will I just throw little fits from time to time (laughs) and turn myself into a victim. You know, poor me. Why is my life this way? No, it's life. Find Jesus in it and become like Jesus in it. Mm. You know, on, on page 17, I had underlined one of the paragraphs here. It says, without the lived experience of risking, parentheses, which is another word for trusting, and parentheses, God's invitations, Our Christianity can devolve into dogma that rattles around in our heads. Some people spend years of their lives in church believing all the right things, but lacking an inner sense of being invited into God's own heart. The Bible is full of examples of religious people whose faith began with right answers or actions, but who missed the invitations of the Holy One. Say a few more words about that, Adele. Well, you see, um, Jesus, again, in the Gospels, getting plenty of invitations, and you see him offering invitations to the religious leaders um, to listen to him, to follow him, to, uh, you have heard it said, but I say to you, would you, I'm inviting you to rethink some of the things that you have thought were, um, you were certain about. Will you rethink these things? And you see these people who have probably memorized the Torah and who knows what else of the Bible, who are 
completely unwilling to ponder anything except their own thoughts. You know, as I think about that, and I and I read this earlier, I'm aware of the fact that some religious communities don't really allow us to to think outside of what we have been told and what we know in a way that that even if we are considering thinking about it a different way, it's almost like we're not sure we're allowed to. <laughs> when you think of like it's true like the pharisees i mean they had such strict rules about how things are and what had to be done and and and, and all that even questioning those rules was probably not something that was within the norms of the no. environment i mean don't that- you think as you listen here i'm just thinking about the word invitation i mean it just speaks to god saying i want to have a relationship with you mm-hmm. you know which which leads to, I want you to listen to me, and I want to listen to you. You know, there's this this Jesus saying continually, why don't you have ears to hear? You know, why don't you have eyes to see? It's almost like, here's this great invitation. Why don't you have? And you can hear, almost hear this sense of, let's talk. Let's talk this out. Let's not argue it out let's sit down and reason together let's and they just were like you're you're a heretic i'm not listening to you goodbye right and and sometimes we we respond to god with anger okay this isn't going well god why are you doing this to me yes. as opposed to the understanding of in this life we will have trouble <laughs> and and god will be with us in it and he will use it to shape us it doesn't mean that he caused the mm-hmm. pipe to break and flood our basement or no, whatever. No. It means that even in that, there's an invitation to become there is, something and different. To become grateful, to become patient, to become wise, to become like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and you know that leads right into that to that first chapter an invitation to participate in our own healing. What's the key idea of this chapter, Adele? So the key idea is that you cannot change what you are not aware of. You cannot um, be healed of what you are unwilling to name. And so the, the chapter is about... Do you want better relationships? Do you want uh, healthier default responses? Do you want um, patience? Do you want to not yell at your kids? Well, God is waiting to grace you with, um, with will that comes, that supernatural will, but you will have to participate. It isn't magic. And I think about all the times I was taught, you know, well, I'm going to pray for patience, but then I would not do one thing to try to be patient. It was like, God, it's on you. You want me to be patient? Then wave that magic wand so I've got some. Or just, God, uh, make my life a little bit easier so I don't have to be patient. So I don't have to. (laughs) And usually we find out it's um, Each chapter comes... 
Each chapter centers on some sort of gospel story. And this one is about the, the man at the pool of Bethesda, where Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? You know, and you would think his, his immediate response would be, are you kidding? Thank you. I'm so glad you came. I do. And that's not his response. And so I just sort of try to unpack that. Well, I think this first chapter sets up the, the rest of the book so in, so well. The invitation to participate in your own healing is, is a key thought here. It's not um, that God does it all. And, I, and, and, and there, there's this um, aspect of how we use language in Christendom that could leave us to believe that somehow God does it all. We can't do anything for ourselves. Yet he's, he's right. looking for full and active participants in this development, in our spiritual development, in our own healing and all. And on page 25, you have this question here that I just, I have circled and exclamation points around it. Where do you wish Jesus would use magic rather than involve you? How would you, <laughs> how would participating in your own healing draw you deeper into Jesus? and freedom. Oh my goodness. What a great pairing of questions. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Where do you wish Jesus would use magic rather than involve you in your own healing? Isn't that so true? We all at some point in time think that I think Adele, you, you are a masterful question asker. And so as people are hearing this and, you know, considering, should I read this book? The, just for the sheer questions that are in, in here, it's, it's worth the, the price alone. Thank you. So many good questions to ponder. Yeah. And I just, I just feel like um, that there's such a good challenge right in there, but I tell you what, Adele, why don't you kind of give us a tour of the book and we might just jump in. Um, so pause in between here, but why don't you run us through the table of contents here so we can give okay. our listeners a, 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 a taste, a taste. Of, of what it, what kind of invitations you're talking about here. So the second invitation is the invitation to follow. And honestly, this inv invitation became significant to me um, most significant to me one time when I was trying to follow uh, in a caravan somebody from Chicago to Appalachia. And the person in front was not conscious of the people behind. And I just thought it would be so much easier to be in the front car than trying to follow this person. And that whole trip was an invitation for me <laughs> to follow and to not get angry and vexed and mad at the way I was being led, but to say, I can't do anything about that right now. What I can do is follow. And then I, I went and I looked at all the times Jesus talks about following and the times Jesus talks about leading. And then I looked up how often the Bible talks about leadership and how often it talks about following. And there's about six references to leadership and like hundreds to following. And I thought, oh, I don't know about following very much. So I, I started thinking about and studying what following might mean. And 
who am I following? You know, am I following the world and its pursuit of money, sex, and power? Um, Am I following uh, sort of the traditions I grew up in? Am I really following Jesus? So it's a book about, uh, it's a chapter about what it means to actually follow Jesus um, and in following him, become like him. And the next chapter is on the invitation to practice the presence of people. And this this was an invitation specifically um, specifically for me because I can be walking <laughs> down a hall and somebody will come be coming towards me and I won't even see them unless they say my name. And I can be in such another headspace. I can be in the room with you and not be present. I can be nodding my head and not be here. And so it was this sense of, you know, God is always in the present. God is always present. And all through the Bible, God is the God of presence who comes to be with us from Genesis to Revelation and the dwelling of God is with people. And I thought, you know, I'm not always present and I miss God if I'm not present and I miss people. And so it's simply this, um, we all know Brother Lawrence and his practicing the presence of God. Well, this is just taking that paradigm and shifting it over to what happens when we learn to be totally present to the beings that are in God's image right in front of us. So chapter four is an invitation to rest. And Joan, I remember you saying that this one was a significant piece in your class that you took. Yes. Well, I think especially, so we, you know, it's a hundred some women and I mean, this could apply to anybody, but we just don't know how to rest anymore. Right. And so it was, uh, quite challenging, yet encouraging to sit and in our case, spend a week with this idea of what does it really mean to rest? What was Christ talking about? What was he, uh, moving us towards? Um, and, I like to think, you know, you mentioned earlier, Adele, the, the Matthew 11 path passage, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, come for me, if I pick apart that first part, it's, it's come is the invitation, but the promise is rest. It always felt, felt like with each invitation, there was a promise right behind it. And rest is one that, um, you know, Christ does over and over um, again. And uh, so it was, it was challenging, but it was good and it was necessary. And the culture that we live in that just has, you know, we can't hardly talk. Yeah, that's right. It's a badge of courage. And, and yeah. we are. A badge of courage. You know, I, I, you mentioned the culture is money, sex, and power. And I say productivity, I would add to that list. And that's the enemy of rest, you know, thinking that our value somehow rests in how much we produce. So that's right. That's right. That's definitely a different one. So an invitation to weep. Why don't you say a few words about that, Adele? That's chapter five. So again, I, I was, I watched in my congregation, you know, people who went through deep grief, somebody they loved died, or some dreadful 
accident or something overtook their lives and just how um, we haven't been taught to grieve. We've been taught to, to, in many cases, buck up and move on. And our culture wants you to buck up and move on or we just become victims. And so we lose the, the agency of what God can do in grief if we will um, step into it the way Jesus stepped into the grief of Mary and Martha. And, and I, I love that in that story of Jesus with Mary and Martha, Jesus waits to go to Mary and Martha. You know, he, he could heal from a distance. He'd already done that. He could have said the word, Lazarus, be healed. And he knew it was desperate, but he let he not only let Lazarus die, he let Mary and Martha face into a grief. And, and he waited to go. And I think there's something about what grief can do when we're invited into it that can change us. And when he came, he had very different conversations with them, perhaps, than if he'd just healed Lazarus. So there's something about grief that is meant to shape us. And, and in Genesis 6, God is already grieving. So we know grief is part of what happens in the Godhead. And learning to do it well is a way we stand in solidarity with Jesus. So the invitation to weep is really an invitation to become like God. Because Genesis 1, God is saying creation is so good, 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 very good. But by Genesis 6, God is weeping. And we know Jesus wept. And to be able to enter grief and allow it to become a place of solidarity with Jesus is a wonderful invitation. I am with you, Jesus, and you're suffering, and you are with me. And what a comfort that is. Um, we don't we don't worship a God that is detached from our sorrows. Um, and I mean, I, I what I find so so tragic when I listen to people is that people are that are grieving, that are angry with God, and basically in doing that, pushing Him away when. He is exactly what they need in order to let That's him right. weep with them um, to be comforted. Okay. We're on uh, chapter number six, an invitation to admit I may be wrong. You know, we did a whole podcast episode <laughs> on this one because Joan was preparing to teach this one. Um, and uh, we were recording, I think, on yes. Monday or Tuesday of that week, and she was teaching on Thursday, and she hadn't written her message yet for it. So um, we had a conversation about this one that was so rich. So I'll invite everybody to go back and listen to that one in its fullest. But for the purpose of what we're doing here, an invitation to admit I may be wrong. What? That, that sounds like a, like a kind of a twisted way to say that's an invitation. <laughs> Tell us about that what, at what all. About all? <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> well, I was thinking if you can't admit you're wrong, Mm-hmm. You won't even be able to receive an invitation. Mm. You know, I think about, I ha- there's a quote here at the beginning of the chapter. My own experience is that for human beings, certainty does not exist, has never existed, will not, in our finite states ever exist, and moreover should not. 
It is not a gift God has chosen to give his creatures, doubtlessly, wisely. So to admit I might be wrong is simply to admit I am a finite human being who, who can know things truly about God, but, but cannot possibly know everything about everything. <laughs> so it invites us to humility and to listening. I think in relationships, this one is so huge in terms of just figuring out how to get along with people. The invitation to admit I may be wrong. You know, I may be wrong about this, but this is how I'm seeing it right now. What do you, and, and to be saying, what do you think? And to, I mean, how much conflict would be I know if we just were <laughs> able true. to do that? There's you know, so just, much freedom there, right? Of, of just changing our mindset or changing the openness of our heart or our attitude or, you know, just subtle, sometimes little shifts um, that go along with this. Yeah. I think there's a piece of it that we can mistake our worth mm-hmm. um, for oh, our being absolutely. right. And I think, I, I think our school system kind of gets that in, into us too. You know, that's, it's, it's right akin to performance that we're graded on being that's right. right. We're, you know, we're valued when we're right. And, and then, but it just doesn't work in life very well for us, relationally speaking. And then also with God, because how are we going to listen to his invitations when we're so sure we're right and everybody else is wrong and maybe even God is too. Like, God, you got this one wrong, <laughs> right. you know, with whatever's going on in my life. Right. And, uh, and I, I mean, I was, I was listening to somebody tell me a piece of their life story and, and, um, we were doing kind of an imaginative prayer piece and she was in this conversation with God and she was actually arguing with God over, over the fact that no, she had not been sidelined. And in the midst, she's actually arguing with God over her value <laughs> and conv- trying to convince God that she's, <laughs> that she's just not worthy. <laughs> and so this went on for a while and I said, well, so this arguing with God about this, how's that work? How's that working out mm-hmm. for you? <laughs> you know, and, and she stopped. You know, and, and there was this long pause. She goes, "You know, I'm just not sure I'm going to win this one." <laughs> and another long pause, and then you know the conversation went on from there. Like, okay, wait a minute. I guess I have to consider that I might be wrong about my worth and my value and my ability to contribute. Uh, which she had convinced herself she had sidelined, she had been sidelined. And I mean, it was just such an interesting thing because we can't really make progress unless we can open our hands That's right. a bit to admit that we, we might be wrong. And basically it's an invitation to see something from another perspective. So I love that one. I love how it's phrased. I love how <laughs> subversive it is. I love so and much honestly, about that honestly, in my, so. my marriage, if Doug can just say, well, I could be wrong about that. And I can say, well, I could be wrong about that. It saves us so much agony. Otherwise we fight. No, you're wrong. Because I'm right. I remember right. You remember wrong, you know? Oh. Yeah. Well, 
let's all take that one to heart today. Okay, chapter seven, invitation to forgive. That one's pretty obvious, I think, but how central is that one to our spiritual life? So there's a, I think because our society creates um, the expectation that we should have expectations and that people should meet our expectations. And when they don't, you know, and somebody said an expectation is a disappointment waiting to happen. Well, when people don't meet our expectations, we get resentful or angry. And then there are people who actually do us wrong, which makes us resentful and angry. (laughs) (laughs) So It's like, what do we do with the resentment and the anger and the bitterness and the I'm right and you're wrong? Um, so the chapter is really on how to, how to live free, how to, you know, if we don't forgive the person we hurt is, is mostly us. We hang on to all that's toxic and poisonous in our system. So. Hmm. Okay. Invitation to wait is chapter number. I think I said something about this at the beginning. (laughs) Mm-hmm. This is the inevitable, mm-hmm. inevitable yeah. um, reality of all human experience, and um, yet it is something that we don't want to do. We don't even want to sit in a traffic jam, or you know, we all, we, we want our our boxes to arrive with Amazon Prime tomorrow. <laughs> and we don't even want to wait. You mean I'm going to have to wait till next week to get my folding chairs? What's with that? You know, it's like, well, yeah, well, waiting. Yeah, and and I mean, let's let's argue with an eternal yeah. God over well, that. and it feels so passive, <laughs> and so, right, and, and unproductive, and actually right. so active. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, then it's a chapter nine. Is it to pray? invitation to pray which again is is obvious yeah. but i think um it's really a um going through the lord's prayer and mm-hmm. taking each phrase and saying what would it look like to pray this phrase into our lives um we even take your kingdom come well your kingdom come in me what does that mean your kingdom come your will be done by me. How do I pray into those things? So it's just really guiding you into the Lord's prayer and a way to um, pray your life through his prayer. Mm. You know, so many of these are about an invitation to release Mm -hmm. something and then so we can receive peace. But there's an exchange that happens in the midst of it all. That's right. I love that. Chapter 10 is an invitation to remember. Joan, you said something about this one that was significant. Well, I think a piece of it was, you know, just this whole idea of story and looking back together at your story together with God. And um, Sybil always says this, you know, the word remember is remember. It's, It's, you know, sorting it out, but then it's putting it back together with God. Um. So it's, you know, helping you reframe for me, 
you know, how do you look at your past and what invitations are there and, and seeing your story as a part of God's story. Um, yes, it was, it was a, an, an important chapter in this book and it's been a reoccurring theme in any, in any of the spiritual formation classes we've taught. Yes. In chapter 11, an invitation to the most excellent way. What were you talking about there, Adele? Well, Paul calls love the most excellent way. Mm-hmm. And it's a meditation on the First Corinthians 13 and what it actually means to um, live out of this passage. And uh, I talk about the counterfeits of love and then the tests of love. And so it's... Uh, you know, loving is is the central message of uh, Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your strength, all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this kind of love is really death, has a lot of dying in it. And so what does it mean to, to take this most excellent way at love, even though you're going to fail at it again and again? You know, it's... It's a worthy journey. Mm, such a worthy journey. And, you know, this this book is just so full of treasures. And it's it's just, it, it's, a, it's a guide for living. It's, it's a guide for living free is, is what it is. It's called Invitations from God, Accepting God's Offer to Rest, Weep, Forgive, Wait, Remember, and More by Adele Calhoun. It's published by IVP and um, you can get it, I suppose, anywhere fine books are sold, as they always say, right? <laughs> or on amazon.com and it'll be to you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to wait. <laughs> you don't have to wait. <laughs> later today sometimes. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to your new book coming out because you know we're always we're, we're always interested. Now, I've done previous interviews with Adele. Um, recently, we did Spiritual Rhythms for the Enneagram, a handbook for harmony and transformation. Definitely. Oh my goodness, this one's going to take a long time to get uh, to get all the value out of. It's it's not a book to be browsed. <laughs> It's a book to be worked through. It's a workbook. It's a workbook, yes. It's a workbook. Yeah. And uh, the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook um, by Adele Calhoun is another one of our favorites. And we've done an interview with Adele on that one, too. And if you're interested in spiritual practices and entering into them, that particular piece is just, it's 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 like, uh, it's a book of... Um, short handouts almost on all of these what how many 83 80, i think three mm-hmm. or so 83 spiritual practices um that basically introduce you to all kinds of options about how to connect with god and so um, adele we are so grateful for you well thank you and Karen. your contribution to to we recommend all of your books so uh so hardly because of the fact that when we're talking about the intersection of life story and spiritual practice, spiritual development, this is, that's where you reside. (laughs) (laughs) And so we have some interesting things in common with, with life story work and, and everything that you seem to have uh, come out of, out of you that I guess should, I should say flows through you um, and blesses us in your amazing and beautiful writing. So Adele, thank thank you, you Sharon. Thank you, Joan. 
You're welcome. Good to be with you. Uh, we're so glad to be with you. So everyone, um, oh, and Adele, is there anything else that you want to invite people to join you in? Do you have any workshops coming up? Um, well, our workshops should be listed on our website, which is calhounministries.com. And then um, okay, spell Calhoun, spell C-A-L-H-O-U-N, ministries.com. And then we have a, okay. a web page. Um, well, it's not a web page. We have a Facebook page called Spiritual Rhythms for the Enneagram. And right now we are doing breath prayers for each number. So if you go to our Facebook page at eight o'clock is when we do it, but it's there anytime. And we're um, helping each number understand their default and how they can uh, pray into freedom. Oh, that sounds so good. I will be checking that out myself. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of the One Life Maps podcast. Please tune in again next week. There's, oh gosh, this should be like episode something, 50 something. And uh, so we've been at it almost for a year now. And uh, we're so grateful you have been tuning in. And there's a whole archive if you want to binge us. And uh, if you have any suggestions for what we should do in season two, as we wrap up season one here, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, email us at service at onelifemaps.com. And we will uh, be responding to you. And thank you for the, uh, for the suggestions along the way. Okay. Thanks again. Bye. Bye-bye. Have you thought, I don't know myself anymore? Have you wondered, is there something more? Are you at a crossroads in life and asking, which way will lead me toward expressing more of who I am made to be? Are you looking for a way to understand the restlessness you feel inside? Are you seeking a deeper spiritual life and desire to rediscover who you are through God's eyes? You're ready for the life mapping experience of Listen to My Life. Go to onelifemaps.com to purchase your portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's onelifemaps.com. O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S.com.